Welcome to the Tally Room Podcast. I'm Ben Rowie. In today's episode, we'll be discussing some of the more populous local councils in southeast Queensland. My guest today is Alexis Pink. Alexis comes to us from Brisbane Community Radio Station 4 Z and is the first reporter working out of the State Press Gallery for the station in 15 years. Hello, Alexis. Uh, it's good to see you. Alexis and I discussed Brisbane City last December, and I'll be returning to Brisbane in my next show with some other guests. But today we'll be looking at some of the surrounding councils. There is a cluster of five councils in southeast Queensland which all have populations of 300,000 or more. All five are ranked in the top 10 most populous councils in Australia, and it includes the three most populous councils in Australia. So that's Gold Coast, Moreton Bay, and Brisbane, uh, bigger than any council in, in any other state. Uh, so there are, there are those four other than Brisbane, as well as Ipswich, which is a little bit smaller, but still one of the biggest councils in the country. What I thought we might do is we might run through these councils one by one, just talk about what the dynamics are in each race. And uh, so that you have a bit of a, a grounding in what is going on in those councils to understand the results when they come in on election night. So, Alexis, let's start with the Gold Coast. So Tom Tate, who is the mayor of the Gold Coast, he's running for a third term. I think you could say he's conservative. I believe he's a member of the LNP, not that he runs as, a, as an LNP candidate. Uh, the council has 14 divisions, so they're single member wards, effectively. And uh, there's no official party designation amongst the sitting councillors, although there are some Greens candidates running. So it's not a partisan election in the same way as Brisbane. Um, and I found it hard to kind of get a sense of whether there are like tickets or people who are forming alliances with each other. But um, what's the dynamic of the, of the race there? Well, it's a little bit interesting this time around. Um, there's always been a partisan element to council elections outside Brisbane City. Um, definitely there are council candidates who are associated with the AMP and LMP and some of the other minor parties as well that don't declare that as part of their um, major declarations when they're out on the ballot. But this time around, the laws have been changed quite significantly in Queensland so that we know what the party um, affiliations of all of these candidates are. If they've been a member of a party in the last 12 months, you can actually look up that association on the ECQ's website. So when you were talking about Tom Tate earlier, I absolutely knew he was a member of the LNP because it's on his declaration, for example. Um, also, um, you can't have unregistered groupings in council anymore. They all have to be registered with the ECQ. So there's quite a um, splattering of sort of non-party registered groups that you can see on the ECQ's website as well. Kind of clusters of independence or... You could refer to them as kind of local parties, effectively in the in the kind of old fashioned sense of a of a parliamentary party, right? That they they don't they don't exist on a statewide level. They don't contest state and federal elections, but they kind of they work together as a as a local faction. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Sometimes they're aligned very roughly with um, major political parties. They're all members of one party or are members from parties of roughly the same political alliances, but mostly they're just independents who work together in council. What's the dynamic in terms of who's running in the Gold Coast? Are there like a couple of teams or factions that are kind of in the lead? In Gold Coast, it's a little bit um, unusual. There are eight candidates running and most of them are fairly independent of each other. Mm -hmm. Not too many groupings in um, that area, but um, that's probably because of just how strong um, the current mayor, Tom Tate, actually is electorally. He's looking pretty good to retain his seat, even after three years in off, uh, three terms in office, 
and quite a few triple C investigations, all of which have failed to find anything like a smoking gun on corruption. So for people outside Queensland, what's the triple C? Because it's going to come up a couple more times in this podcast. Yes, it probably will. Um, It's the Crime and Corruption Commission. It's the equivalent of something like the ICAC in New South Wales. It's not quite as um, meaty as you would get out of um, ICAC. It's powers are quite limited, but it does similar sorts of work. Okay, so he's faced a number of uh, triple C investigations, but he's he's still standing? Oh yeah, there's. he's also been quite defiant as well, because basically he's considering himself to be a bit Teflon-like at the moment, and he's very proud of it out in the media. So that's the Gold Coast. I, I noticed, interestingly, that one of the wards, uh, Division 5, the sitting council is actually running unopposed, which is remarkable for like what is one of the largest electoral jurisdictions in the country. Uh, but you know, you get that sometimes with single member wards, particularly when there's not a, a clear party system. You know, if there was a if there was a clear party system, you'd expect whatever the opposing party to run someone, even if they couldn't win. But effectively, a lot of these people are independents, and the, yeah, it's safe to say that Gold Coast is a conservative leaning council, right? It is fairly safe to say that. Um, That seems to be a fairly common theme amongst a lot of these councils. But to give you an idea of the sort of um, contests that will be on at that mayoral level, it's not like it's unopposed. Um, Like at the moment, probably the front runner to face um, uh, Mayor Tate at the moment is um, naturopath and healthy living expert um, Mona Heck. Um, she's been running for about six months. She's quite well known in the area. Um, she's running on that sort of pro-business, anti-congestion and conservation platform. And that's not too uncommon of sort of classically L- uh, liberal party um, conservatives that are standing in major cities. You'll find that consistently across a lot of places in southeast Queensland. Okay, so that's the Gold Coast. Uh, let's let's jump forward to Ipswich. Ipswich is the smallest of the councils we're talking about today, population-wise, but it's still pretty big. It has a population of over 200,000 people. It sort of lies immediately to the west of Brisbane, and their council has been sacked since the last election, and they also have a new voting system. So do you want to run through, maybe let's start with like what happened to the old council? Ipswich council is quite unusual. Everyone who sat on that council at the time was an independent, but Absolutely every single one of them was a member of or was heavily associated with the Australian Labor Party. Um, that include, uh, yeah, all of the federal seats are held by um, Labor members. All of the state seats are held by Labor members. It's very strong. And that's probably what made this all the all a bit harder. So Paul Pasali was involved in quite a few developer scandals, some um, effectively money for access sort of things, as well as potentially better rulings on developments associated with cash payments. So it's quite a vexed sort of thing. He sort of went from larrikin um, council leader to disgraced mayor very quickly. He's not running again, right? Oh, no, he will not be back. He is in jail. There was a replacement for a while, Anthony Antonelli. Um, he's also a councillor from Ipswich who was found to be doing the wrong thing with um, charitable donations associated with council, which is pretty much why, second time around, the local government minister, Sterling Hinchcliffe, decided to pull the pin and sack the whole council, which led to an administrator-led um, 
Council for quite a while that's now just about to finish up its work, but before it did, changed the electoral system associated with the area. So Ipswich had eight councillors, and they were all single-member electorates using um, the alternate vote as its base. Preferential voting, basically the same as in specifically optional preferential voting, which is what um, we use in New South Wales, and that that would that's still the electoral system for all the other councils that we'll be talking about today, right? That they're all single-member wards um, elected by optional preferential voting. Yes, all of the ones we're talking about today are, yes. Um, so Ipswich will now be a four-electorate um, council with two councillors to be um, elected from each of the wards. They will be elected under a system of first-past-the-post multi-member elections. So the two largest primary vote um, holders in those electorates will be the winners in those um, seats. No preferences change hands. Do voters get one vote or do they get two? They should get two votes in a system like this because they're voting for two people. Yeah, it's a very old-fashioned voting system. It's what they used to elect multi-member seats in the House of Commons before they moved to, to having all single-member electorates. It's a... Uh, it's very old-fashioned, but it you know it tends to produce block results, right? Um, I believe that's the voting system we used in the Senate for the first two decades of federation as well. That again produced tends to produce lopsided results. You tend to have the same team win both seats if there's any kind of partisan voting or kind of factionalized voting patterns. Yeah, that's um, we expect that's probably being, going to be the case again, but. It also opens up the opportunity for Labor to lose a little bit of their control over Ipswich Council. Now, they obviously don't control it directly. They don't have um, members that are um, endorsed there, but um, that council area is controlled quite strongly by sort of Labor's internal factions to a certain degree. And that's not going to change, um, except in those cases where... Um, the two elected members, you might end up with a few that are from the Liberal Party or maybe even from One Nation-style backgrounds. Um, the One Nation is quite um, popular in Ipswich, and I would imagine that maybe a few councillors without leaning might make it. Now, that voting system, it's worth mentioning the Queensland government had plans to get rid of that voting system and say that for councils that are electing more than one person, they would use the single transferable vote. So you know, kind of like the Tasmanian system, the Senate system. It's used for multi-member wards in Victoria and New South Wales and places like that. Um, but that was quite fiercely opposed by the local government association and has since been dropped and they, they seem to have uh, kind of lost their spirit of reform in that regard. But it would have meant in this case, although a two-member ward is not particularly proportional anyway, but it would effectively mean you would need a third of the vote to win a seat. Um, and there's a, there's a bunch of smaller regional councils which don't have wards at all, and it would have meant that those elections would be proportional, whereas right now they use this voting system which we've described, which tends to produce results where one side wins most of the seats. Um, but that, that didn't come to pass, and we're still stuck with the system. Yeah, it was sort of a very unusual campaign from the LGAQ. Um they didn't oppose most of the rest of the bill, um, but they certainly opposed that and a return to compulsory preferential votes, which is also being held up quite quite well in, count, in state parliament at the moment. 
so who's actually running under this new voting system to to kind of take over this currently sacked council? Well, there's seven council candidates for mayor. Um, there's a Labour aligned candidate who looks like the one that the party is sort of backing but not backing. Um, that's Mark Williams. He's a truck driver by trade and he's moved down just recently from Maryborough for this election, only maybe a year ago. Um, the LNP have a few candidates associated with the area. Um, former um, Blair candidate Teresa Harding is running. Um, that's from the federal election, um, as well as a endorsed Greens candidate, um, Pat Walsh. You'll probably remember him from state um, Ipswich in the 2017 election. Then some um, some other sort of unusual um, independents, like um, Ursula Monsignor came up as well. She's been a Greens candidate previously, but is now a member of the Labour Party but is currently saying that she's not going to um, to go into council supporting either of the platforms associated with those two parties. Very unusual stance to take. Some of the councillors that are associated with the previous administration also coming back. Um, for example, um, Basali's deputy mayor, Paul Tully, is looking to take on a run in Division 2 with a running mate, Nicole Jonick. It, it's hard to imagine that someone even though they were never actually charged with anything with from the triple c could really sort of wash their hands of that legacy it's quite unusual so you you think probably most of the council that selected will be fresh new councillors um we won't see much of a comeback um i wouldn't imagine there's going to be a lot of comebacks um i expect that a lot of the um, elected people will end up being either associated with or members of the Labor Party, but there will be a few surprises, especially in such an unusual system. So moving on to Moreton Bay, which is, as I mentioned earlier, the third most populous council in Australia, kind of covers the area uh, to the north of Brisbane, back to the south of the Sunshine Coast. Um, there's um, The current mayor has been suspended and is not running again. Um, and, uh, yeah, so kind of tell us what, what's been happening in Moreton Bay. Alan Sutherland was the mayor there, and he's been there for quite a while. In fact, he's been the mayor of Moreton Bay Regional Council since the amalgamation of Caboolture Council, Redcliffe Red City, and Pine River Shire. Um, he's always had a little bit of trouble in office, um, getting himself involved in certain unusual deals and speculative sort of issues but the last one where he bought a property in Caboolture that looked like it was rezoned by council very soon after was probably the final straw he's proclaiming innocence he's currently at some um, trial at the moment so it's all allegedly until such time as we have an outcome they've put the deputy in for a little while that's some um, acting mayor um, Mike Charlton um, he's not running in council but there are quite a few who are. Um, another triple C charged um, councillor is running. Um, Adrian um, Raydell from Division 12 will be running as mayor, even though he's facing triple C charges. Do we know what the political makeup of this council has tended to be? So the makeup of the council is quite conservative. Um, Redcliffe is less conservative than the rest. Um, Pine Rivers is a traditionally conservative area. Not because it's um, what you would call, you know, religious or particularly wealthy. It's just very, um, 
laid back. It's the federal seat associated with Dixon, and it does switch a little bit, but when it finds something it likes, it tends to stay with it forever. Um, this is probably the case for the current um, federal member, Peter Dutton. Um, it was certainly the case for um, former um, Joe Minister, Yvonne Chapman, who was mayor of Pine Rivers pretty much all the way through her retirement. The area is filled to the brim with sort of pro, pro-commercial, pro-conservation um, sort of candidates, where they talk about solar and protecting specific forests and koalas and stuff like that, but not sort of global things like climate change and things like that. Um, so sort of um, conservative technocrats, you might call them. So it sounds like there's a there's a bunch of people running for, for mayor, apart from that uh, sitting councillor who you mentioned, a lot of the others seem like they're um, relatively unknown. It doesn't really seem like we have a sense of who's a front runner, like who's, who's the leading candidate who has a lot of the backing. It can be pretty hard to sort of hunt these things down. Um, all of them are running on sort of clean up council platforms. So they're all sort of just melding into each other to a certain degree. I mean, Dean Teasdale's been around for quite a while. Um, he's a real estate agent. So that's a name that seems to come up quite a lot. Um, Eric Shields is a musician and publican. It's, he's been around a bit. I've heard his name quite a lot. Um, Chris Thompson is an LMP person who ran for Pine Rivers after losing to Nikki Boyd at the last election. Um, he might have some notoriety, but yeah, there doesn't seem to be a clear, yeah, this is the one. And I guess we've had a we've had a mayor in Morton Bay who's covered the area for a long time, and this is the kind of election where things open up a bit, and we could imagine someone getting elected on a relatively low primary vote. Yeah, it could happen. And once they're there, they're usually there for a long period of time. Like, Alan Sutherland was untroubled in all of the elections leading up to this one, so I can't imagine the next mayor will have any trouble either. Okay, so that's Morton Bay, Logan to the south of Brisbane. <laughs> Their council was also sacked in 2019 with the majority of the council referred to the Triple C. We've got a bit of a theme going on here. What's your, what's your take on Logan? So Logan's another one of these sacked councils. It's, it's very similar to Pine Rivers in many ways, except it's not quite as openly wealthy. So Pine Rivers has quite a lot of wealthy residents sitting along its western borders in sort of what you call tree changer areas around sort of um, Fernie Grove and Debra and that sort of area. Um, it's also, funnily enough, where roughly where Peter Dutton lives. Um, very wealthy areas because of the nice sort of areas that they actually occupy. But um, Logan is effectively just a flat suburb that sits in between two major cities. Those being Brisbane, Brisbane and the Gold Coast. Yeah. yeah. And it's just mostly working class. People who live in Logan because they can't afford to live in either Brisbane or the Gold Coast who commute in either way. It doesn't have the same sort of conservative base, but it has been controlled by conservative forces for quite a while. In fact, the last Logan Council was filled to the brim with people who were members of the LNP, including um, former Mayor Luke Smith. He's not running again? No, he's not running again. Um, he's in jail. I've lost track of which of these mayors are in, are in jail and which ones have just been sacked. Now, by looking at the list of who's running, it seems like there's a couple of people who have kind of former Labor credentials. Interestingly, uh, Alan DeBrenny, who is a former councillor from the 80s, who is the father of a Labor minister in the state government. Yeah, um, 
Public Works Minister Mick Debrini. He's still a member of the Labor Party. Former Federal Labor MP Brett Raguse, who held the overlapping seat for one term in the early Rudd years, he's running again. He he ran in 2016 and was the runner-up. There's, there's a few other people running, but it does seem like there's a few people with Labor credentials. And I don't know, do, do you get the sense that Labor people are hoping there might be, even if they're not running with Labor and LNP labels, there might be a bit of a swing back to the centre-left there? Yeah, I have a feeling it's probably going to end up that way. The LNP does not have very many people who are members on the ground running in this election. Um, Even Darren Power, who was on that previous council, who is running for mayor this time round, he's very vaguely associated with ALP forces as well. So it's hard to imagine how this council couldn't go sort of more Labour-aligned this time round, but see i suppose finally let's talk about the sunshine coast what's what's your take on what's happening there ah so the sunshine coast is also very similar to the gold coast in many ways but without the distinct wealth advantage that the gold coast um, has um, the gold coast has a big finance um industry there so people who don't like to commute to brisbane that love um the gold coast's charm is pretty much why that financial hub exists but that's not the same for the sunshine coast and um, it's also quite quite a lot older than the average for um, Queensland. Um, the average age for a resident of Sunshine Coast is 44 as opposed to 37 for um, the rest of Queensland, mostly because of a big demographic gap between the mid-20s and the late 40s where people end up migrating a little bit closer to Brisbane for work. It's a fairly up and down sort of um, contest this time around. There's only four nominees for mayor in Sunshine Coast, and that includes the current mayor, um, Mark Jamieson, who you would have to imagine is going to have a fairly easy time, largely speaking. Um, there's no triple C claims against him. and as ah, no, no one in the Sunshine Coast affected by corruption allegations? Not that I can see. It's not the same effect as the councils closer to Brisbane. So Mark Jamieson's running again. How long has he been the mayor? He's been mayor for the last 10 years. And kind of a, a centre-right leaning mayor? Yeah, most of the candidates we're talking about here on the coast are sort of pro-business, um, pro-tourism, con- conservation type people. There's a couple of other candidates who may make a little bit of ground. Um, Don Innes is sort of running as a left independent. He's been causing all sorts of interesting um, upsets up there with um, the local news. So I expect he'll probably be well covered, but probably won't do very well. There's a couple of other businessy types as well. Um, So Michael Burgess is running and Chris Thompson, who was a former deputy mayor of Sunshine Coast um, about four years ago, is coming back to contest against his former boss. But I would expect that Unless there's a big upset that Mark is probably going to make it back. What is interesting about um, the Sunshine Coast is the Greens and their effect on the area. So the Greens do have quite a lot of support on the coast, mostly in those sort of tree changer areas around Mullaney. And they're running a councillor there who is not facing incumbent councillor Tracy Burton. And that might actually be the upset of the night if the Greens win a seat in a council which has been widely held by conservative independents for ages. 
Also on the list of people returning is LNP defector, One Nation defector, and NRA strip club enthusiast Steve Dixon, um, who's running back in Division 7 after a long time out of city council. Is there any particular councils outside of this cluster that have grabbed your attention and are like the, the sleeper to watch on election night? Have a look at Townsville. Townsville's a Labor-controlled council that is under a lot of pressure from um, from youth crime issues. It's why right now the Labor government is pushing through big Labor um, youth crime reform bills through Parliament. Um, also keep an eye on the big towns that are associated with the Adani mines. So that's sort of um, Gladstone, Rockhampton area, which are all variously aligned with Labor candidates. If you're looking for a little bit of novelty on the night, um, have a look at Noosa. Noosa is always a hilarious mess if you are really into that thing. It's an undivided council with um, multi-member first-past-the-post. And um, Jess Glasgow is running in that one. Um, Jess Glasgow is known nationally at this point for his um, appearance on The Bachelor. And he was a he was a sitting councillor, right? He was a sitting councillor who agreed to go on a reality television show as a contestant. Um, so we might wrap it up there. Uh, thanks, Alexis, for joining me. My pleasure. So, Alexis, you're going to be doing some other coverage of the election. Do you want to, do you want to just talk briefly about what you're what you're going to be doing? We are doing some pretty extensive stuff for election coverage this time round, especially around Brisbane, around our radio station Four Triple Z. Um, we'll be having interviews with the three um, sets of council candidates in our very local area, as well as a stack of the Lord Mayoral candidates. We're also gearing up for an on-the-night election coverage of um, the statewide um, councils. We'll probably be focusing on a lot of the ones we talked about today, as well as some of the ones up and down the main coast as well. Some interesting contests, and we're keen to sort of follow it up. If you want to catch any of that stuff, um, you should listen to The Pineapple Rebellion on 4ZZZ, Fridays, 9 to 10 a.m. So I will be back next week with a podcast where we'll be uh, talking about Brisbane City and we'll also be talking about the two state by-elections, which are in Bundamba, which overlaps with Ipswich, and Currumbin, which overlaps with the Gold Coast. Um, we'll, I'll be back doing that next week. Uh and there will be a, a results show probably the day after the election. And in addition to that, if you're interested more generally in local government uh, issues, there's a lot of coverage on my website at the moment about the recent changes to the voting system in Victoria and what that means for Victorian council elections. So check it out. You can find this podcast on your podcast app of choice. If you like the show, please consider rating or reviewing us on iTunes. You can follow The Tally Room on Twitter at The Tally Room or like us on Facebook. Information about this podcast is available at www.tallyroom.com.au and you can email questions or feedback to thetallyroom at gmail.com. Thanks to Krista Bro for writing the music you hear in this episode. Once again, thanks for listening.